I'm just like hanging out in my closet, so that's what we're doing. Have you done uh, other guest spots? Before? Yep. So um, funny enough, my friend Jane, so my friend Jane has a podcast called um, uh, Black Queen's Republic. Okay. And so she's had me on, she's had myself and Catherine on for an episode on porn and sex positivity. And then she had me on for an episode of, on uh, uh, Karen's or like white feminism. What other podcasts have I been on? So I've been on Black Queen's Republic. I feel like there's another one and I'm very much forgetting. But there's one more that I've been on, I think. Rogan Experience. Hmm? The Joe Rogan, Rogan. Oh, no. So, um, did you have a chance to listen to it? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, Twice, yeah. actually. Ooh. I know. Um, what do you think? Um, I thought the song was really good. Honestly, when I listened to it, it, it really, it made me laugh because I, I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but I think I was expecting more of like an anti-flag situation for some reason in my head. That's what I had thought of. Um, and instead it was more of like a, a horror movie, like soundtrack. Where did the anti-flag impression come I from? I don't know. I think I thought, well, you know, maybe it's like a leftist podcast. Anti-flag. Music. Anti-flag? Why not? And then I just went with it. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think that's, that's what's happening. So, <laughs> it's not as lyrically driven as anti-flag can be. No. <laughs> no. Uh, also, anti-flag, I don't think, makes 14-minute songs. So. A different area of Southern, like Southern California skate punk. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I thought it was really good. I, I like kind of like the atmospheric stuff. The issue was I was listening to it at night in the dark because I had accidentally forgot to turn on the light and it was just me and my computer light. And all of a sudden I was like, why am I creeped out? <laughs> and I was like, ah, yes, this music. <laughs> so, um, but again, that's why it's useful. You should pitch this music for a horror movie like it's like a very to me it feels like a very like indie horror movie song um i really like how it like it just it evokes a lot of emotion of just like uh just a little bit maybe creeped out like you could be creeped out but maybe during the day it sounds different so when you say indie horror movie do you have like a, a anything come to mind in particular or just like a kind mm. of ambient sense of horror <laughs> and discomfort um trying to think of indie horror movies to be honest i'm not a huge fan of, of horror movies at all but and i um, apologize and I, for subjecting you to this <laughs> and i avoid them at almost at all costs but um i'm even thinking like if it who was uh who made the witch did they also they also made hereditary i think oh the the midsummer guy yeah i feel like it might be this no maybe not i could be wrong regardless we got phones i can i can <laughs> continue yeah, I and i'll look it up and shout um, the name in the middle of your thought um yeah so i i uh i feel like it would be a bit of like a midsummer type of soundtrack like it wouldn't be a, a freddy krueger thing it would be like a midsummer situation what do you think differentiates the two other than like, because I've, I've got, like, I, I used to watch Freddy Krueger movies as a kid, and uh, the most immediate thing that stands out is slapstick. Um, it's horrifying. Or... You want to know right, why Rob Zombie directed all those fucking Halloween movies? Because he wanted to put his own music in it, I'm certain. Because why would, why would anybody listen to his music otherwise? Did he? I don't think any of his music was in Are you sure? Because all I hear is just him screaming. But maybe it's just because I really don't like him. So anytime I watch his movies, I'm like, I can hear you in my head. Perhaps. 
perhaps. I thought, I mean, it's been a really long time since I threw up, since I watched Devil's Rejects, but like. I can't stand that, man. Yeah. I think I think that's all <laughs> '70s rock, like like Are Leonard sure? okay. Skinner. Yeah. Sorry, because I'm thinking of I'm thinking of was it Halloween that he did? He did two Halloween movies. Unbelievable! I don't know who convinced me to see those in theaters, but like I feel like those movies are more just like screaming, like sort of metal, but not really half the time. And then um, more like psychological scary movies would be more. There's like more of what you're sound would be like what i think like that actually like might encourage that feeling is uh so like this these pieces were like there's a, there's a song at the end of this piece mm-hmm. uh that's like a succinct song and yeah these pieces kind of like build around i think this episode had a song also kind of hidden underneath exactly. stacks yeah. of textures um and the thing that i i think it must be the synthesizer kind of <laughs> element to it yeah i think so there's a like, uh, I mean, I mean, Wes Craven was huge on this, especially like the the Halloween. Or was it was it Wes Craven? Or was it no, not Wes Craven? I <laughs> cut that part of the conversation. It sound like a dumbass, but Halloween director. The original Halloween director. The original, yeah, John Carpenter. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> You're the pop culture know-it-all person. Uh, except for when it comes to horror movies, I have such a hard time. Oh, actually. You want to know what your sound... Okay, so okay, let's hear it. this is what it made me think of as well. And it's because I hate horror movies, but this movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. Suspiria. <laughs> so, Suspiria. It sounded like it should be in Suspiria. That's what I meant. Do you mean the remake or the original? Absolutely not the original. Okay. <laughs> I refuse to watch the remake because I'm assuming it's not very good. Oh, I love the remake, actually. You did? Oh, I'm just like... The original just really like changed my life a bit. So I just, I'm a huge fan. Um, yeah, Dario Argento is like, I really enjoy him. But um, yeah, so that's what it made me think of, like a Suspiria-esque movie. I haven't seen the original, um, which is why I had no problem watching a remake. <laughs> Fair. Got no emotional connection to this. <laughs> um, but uh, I, thought the, I thought the original had like prog metal kind of going through it. Yeah, it, did, it, was, it was like, I just feel like I remember there's a lot of like, like a lot of organ playing, build up. There was like a weird, there was a, a lot of like weird choral singing of like baritone voices in the background. Um, it was really strange. It's really strange, but it's like really, it's just like weird and creepy. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's great. It's really good. I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Um, I used to watch it like once a year, but uh, I haven't watched it in a couple of years, but I'm literally thinking of the song that's on the trailer, like even in the trailer and the, that song plays throughout the movie. And it's like, yeah, it's like weird and creepy and somehow reminds me of church for no reason. But um, even though it's probably not at all what they were going for. I, I wouldn't be surprised coming from my own Roman Catholic background. I can definitely <laughs> pick up on elements of, well, at least in the, uh, in the remake. original Suspiria it doesn't really give you like a time or a place necessarily like it's very like I mean I'm guessing it's like it was you know present day for them um but there's nothing like there's nothing talking about like wars or nothing zero just straight horror movie ballet studio the cinematography was pretty badass okay just like the color and it's just like bananas it's like what people it's like what straight white guys think of like Blade Runner is probably how I feel 
about Suspiria. You've already painted a picture for me. It sounds <laughs> wonderful. I do feel like a lot of movies, like sometimes, uh, I mean, especially really bad movies, like the soundtracks, you're just like, there's no need for this. Like, what? It, like this is just distracting at this point. Um, and I can't really even pinpoint a movie that this has happened with, but there are a few movies. Like Garden like, State? Mm, you know what? I do, I do love Garden State. This is the putting you on the spot show. Mm. Like, how much did you listen to this thing that I poured my <laughs> afternoon into? See, I'm not a musician, and it's funny because all the everybody, all the men in my family are, are musicians. Um, like very, not big musicians, but like my uncle teaches uh, classical guitar in France, and um, yeah, like all of all of my uncles are are musicians, so. Um, it's really funny because I feel like I am both tone deaf and incapable of, of uh, having good taste in music, which is fine. Uh, I've learned to live with it as my Spotify playlist full of NSYNC. It sure is. Um, and I am not ashamed and I do not play it ironically. I play it with my chest. Uh, <laughs> but um, I did kind of like, because you had mentioned the, the like hidden song, so to speak. Because um, I liked when it started, I just thought it was going to go into like a full, like lyrical song because there, there's some singing at the beginning. But then it just was like atmospheric kind of like music and synth and a bunch of other stuff that felt like it was building to something. And then it turned into the song that you... I'm assuming you were singing, which I kind of liked how that ended, especially um, as somebody that was sitting in the dark on her computer. Um, I was like, well, this is a nice light way to kind of end it, sort of. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I am not very musically versed and I'm very bad at like honing in on any sort of instrumental things. But again, it was not anti-flag as I expected. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, I was like, when I think of a leftist podcast, and I think of music, what do I think of? And then I thought of the one podcast that I listen to that has music that is a leftist podcast. And it's like a lot of screaming. Which one's that? Uh, it's Going Down. It's a, an anarchist podcast. They play music usually at the beginning. So they'll have like different like anarchist artists have like rock songs or like rap. And then, so they play that usually at the beginning or like between interviews that they do. And then they interview like community workers, community activists um, around what's going on. So um, that's kind of what I was thinking it was going to sound like, but obviously I could have just asked you like, what does it sound like? But I didn't, I didn't want to like ruin the surprise. So I'm glad. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't try and like incept any ideas in how you listen to, <laughs> listen to the piece or, or anything. Um, I, I, yeah, the approach to the actual podcast is just how how little effort can I get into the <laughs> conversation part right. so that I can justify releasing this as a podcast. That's very fair. That yeah. is very fair. Like, I mean, there's there's definitely political music and political music in various, uh, not genres, but how mm -hmm. it's engaged. Do you find that your music is informed by your politics? I tend to write things on a more visceral or abstract kind of approach right i think it's mostly due to not liking musicals <laughs> right <laughs> that's uh, awesome 
Yeah, I think I blame my I partially blame my dad for that because whenever a musical episode of a television show would come on, as soon as it ends, he would just go, "Well, that was fucking stupid." Yeah, and <laughs> and that informed my personal politics about musicals. I did find it challenging to really connect with like a performance where the characters are seeing the subtext. Right. Okay. Like like the performance is more so in how nice it sounds and how. Right. Stunning the melody is and how melodramatic it doesn't cool. quite mm-hmm. it doesn't connect with me on a level of, you know, beyond what the words say. But yeah, uh that's uh, I, I guess that's a bit far from your original question. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I just wanted to know like if it if it did. I mean, I always wonder with certain things. I know depending on who you are and your politics, sometimes it's like, in, I mean, everything is political. I mean, whether you like it or not, everything is. That's why I just, I just wanted to know if it was like something that you consciously like thought of when you were making music. I think I'm too much of a nervous writer when it comes to expressing um, like a direct belief. Right. Whereas it's something I'm much more comfortable saying. Uh, <laughs> That's very fair. Like I tend to, I tend to more or less react in, performance and, and in music and right. lyrically reacting to either the news or something um, immediately in front of me. Right. Uh, but taking out the, the obviousness of it is kind of like a goal or just something that I end up doing. Right. One of the things I've observed, because my taste in music has really shifted a lot as I've gotten older mm-hmm. um, for a bunch of different reasons. And I think I used to be very... Um, interested in listening to music that was very much reflective of my politics and I think to a certain extent I still am there's still musicians that I like who make really good like I like very like overtly political music but at the same time I'm not putting in that energy to expect all of my music to be like that and I often find that I gravitate towards artists who make music like if I like the music it's great and then also if they have good politics that's great too but it doesn't need to be in their music for me to like recognize that they have good politics because in all honesty half the people who are out here singing about shit are like terrible humans half the time so I prefer people who like walk the walk as opposed to people who make their music all about a message sort of I feel like there's a lot of respectability and like respectability politics in in like activist circles which really bothers me and for myself like a great example of a musician that I think doesn't get enough credit for his politics but does amazing things regardless and doesn't give a shit would be someone like Bad Bunny who does like reggaeton music which is a hundred percent like people are always like it's sexist it's terrible and like it's not that's not true for all of it I think there's a lot of like anti-black racism when people talk about that but I definitely think Bad Bunny is one of those artists who's like his music is like trap music it's like no it you don't need to have like a certain level of intelligence to listen to it it's just good music it's just like fun to dance to but then in his own personal life he's done a lot of stuff to discuss his politics and he's done a lot of stuff around like Puerto Rican independence and he like went on strike from making a new album because he was like I'm not doing anything new until this governor is removed from office in Puerto Rico so like there's a lot of stuff that people do that I think yeah I just think that there is like this emphasis on on people who are of a certain political leaning to like bring it up constantly in their music and their life and everything and I'm like I would much rather you just do what you want to do on the side make that work and do the work and then you can sing about dancing at a club 
and I will still enjoy you. So that's why I was just asking, because I don't think it's fair to assume that your politics need to be in your music, like overtly in your music all the time. And uh, I did grow up with a mother who cautioned me very firmly against coffee shop communists, so. Oh yeah? Yeah, because she was like, those aren't real people. Those are assholes. She's like, coffee shop communists just sit there and make art and make a lot of money. And the rest of us are out here getting fucked over <laughs> while they're singing about us getting fucked over. So go away. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's why I've, I've always been so interested in how people's politics impact what they do. Do you find that like a, a lot of your politics informed by your family or by a... Uh... Or were you more of a, the outlier? No, uh, my mom was the outlier. I'm just, I guess, a bit of a mini her um, to a certain extent. Um, we have some differences in opinions on things like abolition and stuff, but um, she is an older school commie, so um, it looks a little bit different for her. But I think I'm informed by her, but I, I know that our family was very fervently Catholic and uh, not into rocking any sort of boat in Canada. So she uh, came as a teen and then ended up having to leave um, because uh, her experience in Canada was so bad. And then we came back when I was born many, many years later. So yeah, she almost got expelled from high school in Canada for being a communist. So yeah. So uh, imagine being 16 and being pulled into the principal's office for being a communist. Uh, that's what informs my politics mostly. And I thank God that that was not my era. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and our politics are also different because we're Latin American. So I feel like Latin American leftist politics look a lot different than I think like North American shit looks half the time. I prefer Latin American stuff because I'm like, you know, the NDP doesn't count. I love, they're great. They're sh some of them do great work. That's not what I mean when I mean like leftist. I it's know what I you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, like there's the NDP and then there's like Sandinistas. There's a difference. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it, it's just really interesting. And American interventionism is, is a huge thing. So mm -hmm. um, we just have a different history. So we have a different way of understanding things. And so I always feel like, yes, my politics are probably pretty extreme for people in this country, but I'm also learning that they don't have to be in every single fiber of my being all the time for me to live my life, including music. If I want to listen to NSYNC, I will listen to NSYNC and it will be magical. And I used to feel kind of bad because I was like, none of this has substance. And now I don't give a shit. It's fine. I've, I realize, I mean, my friend and I on our podcast do have an episode on music. Um, or I think on, yes, it's on music. And, and one of the things we talk about is um, how whiteness has informed our taste in music because um, we're both racialized um, and how like the desire as somebody who's racialized and an immigrant to like be steeped into whiteness can be really, really strong, especially when you're a teen growing up and like only seeing like white imagery around you, um, which is why most of the music I listened to in high school is just like white guy bands. Um, and now that I'm, I'm like older and I'm like, okay with being, you know, Latina or whatever. And like the self-hate isn't there. I find that I'm like embracing the stuff that I, I think I just like told myself I didn't like, but I did. Um, so it's like a lot of reggaeton, a lot of like different types of rap and a lot of like really old Latin American music that my mom used to play to, when we were cleaning the house, cumbia and like bachata and like salsa. And it's like really great. Um, but I used to just pretend like I didn't like that shit. And now that I'm older, I'm like, you know what? 
this is awesome. Um, and I re-embraced my like 10 year old self uh, now when I listen to NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and Aqua and whatever else. So S Club 7 is on my funeral playlist, so. As you're being lowered? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I went to a Gordon Lightfoot concert once. Um, oh yeah? And uh, I used to work at Value Village full time like when I was a teen, when mm -hmm. I was like in the summers and part-time when I was in school and I was there for five years. So then um, I went to this place, uh, like I worked as a social worker and I was supporting uh, someone and she had tickets to go um, to Gordon Lightfoot. So I had to take her um, as like a support person um, yeah. so that she could go. And I just remember I was like, I don't know this person. What the fuck? Like, I'm going to, this is going to be awful. And not like, I was like, oh, so you're the Value Village soundtrack. Cause I knew every song by heart and it wasn't because I knew him. It was just, I was like, you sing these songs? You're haunting my dreams. Gotcha. Got it. Great. I know all of your songs and uh, I'm. How many times did you hear if, uh, if I could read your mind throughout the day? I feel like they had, so it was like, I think it was a playlist called like Canadian music. So it was like, <sighs> if I had a million dollars, who sings if I had a million dollars? Bare Naked Ladies. Bare Naked Ladies. So it was Bare Naked Ladies, Alanis Morissette, Gordon Lightfoot. Those are like the main three on a friggin' loop. Then if you're working like an eight hour shift, you'd probably hear the same Gordon Lightfoot song like twice, but there would be like, now I know that there were like five of them within that one hour loop or like two hour loop. I remember that from working retail when I worked at a future shop off the 401 in Whitby. The like theater kid in entertainment uh, always made sure to have to purchase the most recent songs performed on Glee. Oh no. To blast them out the store. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you're still alive. And yeah. Doing yeah. <laughs> Glee was a fucking bang. Like, I don't want to be too cool for Glee, but. Uh, yeah, I, I did watch it a bit. I just now remember that there was an episode with Mr. Schuster, who's like a white, just nerdy person, who covered the thong song, I think, or Gold Digger, whichever. He covered either Cisco or Kanye, neither of which were necessary. And to this day, I, like my friend, Catherine, who I do the podcast with, will just yeah. randomly just be like, Mr. Shoe covering Gold Digger, and then she'll just walk away. And I'm like, I didn't need this. I didn't. I didn't need this. <laughs> so. Yeah. So when he says the the refrain, like I ain't saying she a Gold Digger, does he just sort of stumble off at the end of the next line, or did he did he full commit? Nope. I think okay. he just. I'm hoping. I think. Yeah. I, to be honest, I disassociate whenever I think of the the actual cover. Glee. So like, I I went to um like it was in a theater program for university. <laughs> and uh like it was it was comprehensive so you ended up doing more in technical and theoretical stuff than uh, right. acting right and it was a little bit odd in that like anyone could audition for the play like from any department oh so you, you could be a psych <laughs> major and have like a, a unintentional minor in acting very strange okay with without any application process you just go right in just like hey great i'm super confident <laughs> Yeah, I remember when Glee blew up, because I think it was in my fourth year when it was on, and there was that energy through, like, I don't know, a good 25 to 30% of my classmates mm -hmm. who were all not, also, they were also not cast in the play. <laughs> They're all, like, painting a set, and then some of them just really wanting to break out into song. Nope. That's... 
funny. I mean, a bit sad, but also funny. It's it's a fucking weird thing. Asian ladies like I hate all American presidents that's my mother I hate all American presidents so uh, Bill Clinton was a big no-no as is Hillary yeah so I generally I think recently I asked her would you prefer that I be she's like I said what's worse if I date a cop or if I'm a I'm a Real Madrid fan and she said a Real Madrid fan 100% and I was like over dating a cop and she's like yeah way worse and i was like i cannot believe i cannot believe i'm hearing this she's just like it's what they represent i was like i i don't okay all right <laughs> so i do those things a lot with my mom okay just to see where she's at because her politics get her to a certain point but then sometimes certain things come before politics like football apparently football is the safest place to be a nationalist <laughs> yes, a hundred. My mom, my mom is one of those people who's like, we played really well, and I'm like, you did, you did not play. You were not passing the ball to Messi. You were watching, and she's like, no, we played great. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, my my father's the same way. Uh, he's from Liverpool, where they have three teams, and only one <laughs> of them does not qualify for the Premiership. Right. And he is for he is the old school. Didn't they? Didn't one of the teams just win not that long ago? Uh, well, they beat the other team. Which, yeah. Yeah, like Everton beat Liverpool, which I I heard about when I talked to him. I'm not. I don't personally identify as one of those art those like artsy guys who refers to every sport every game as sports ball and doesn't like it. <laughs> I just don't have any interest in stats or players' names. That's very fair. Yeah. Um. Same. I actually do enjoy watching it, especially basketball or, or football. But the uh, he he would do the same thing. He'd just be like, "Well, we got beat, <laughs> but you know, it was the other side." <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> I mean, we went to Spain to visit some family and she fully was like, so we're going to stop in Barcelona. I was like, Barcelona's not anywhere near where we're going. <laughs> and, uh, but okay. And I was like, are we going, <clears throat> are we going to the stadium? Is that what you're telling me? And she's like, yeah, we have to go. We're not going to go to Barcelona and not go to Camp Nou. And I was like, are you fucking, are you fucking kidding me? And then, so we went and uh, she was like a kid in a candy store. I, on the other hand, was just like, huh, interesting. It's a big, this is a much bigger stadium than I expected. And that was, that was it. I bought her a, uh, like a bootleg knockoff messy jersey and uh, she went on about her day. And I was like, this is all I'm doing. I was like, you know, I don't like messy. I cannot stand that man. And I'm buying this for you. That's it. We're not coming back here. I mean, it's a bootleg. The money's not going to. <laughs> you doesn't get royalties on bootlegs. <laughs> That's very true. But I was just like, I don't need to see his name everywhere. Because she's obsessed with him, obviously. If you're a Barca fan, it's kind of blasphemy to not be into Messi. So, but to myself, Cesis, thank you. I'm not a bad person. Cesis, offline, she said a lot of horror. Cesis, <laughs> uh, I don't know why you're doing listening to like the most haphazardly prepared arts and culture podcast. I just always assume that they listen to everything. Uh, 
And, and also having my mother as the, as the mother that I have, I, we know for a fact that she has a file. And so I'm not surprised ever when like, if things come up, I'm like, that does not surprise. Like it wouldn't surprise me if people like had a file on the daughter that she raised by herself. So personally, I love the idea of part of a CSIS officer's research <laughs> being listened to the narcissistic musicians podcast. But just I like, think they do. Didn't you see the report about how they like monitor like like environmental activists and shit? And I'm like, are you monitoring like what meat substitute they're using in their food? Like, what do you, why? I'm not saying I love it and that <laughs> I don't think it's real. I think it's real. I just, I, everything that goes before this part <laughs> of the episode is about music and interacting with music. And you can't keyword search through audio as far as I understand. Um, Here's hoping. Yeah. I don't think CSIS has the technology for that. Yeah, I, I really think hope NAP not. is a good enough plan to I mean, to Catherine them. and I literally have a, a section that we do accidentally almost every episode called Guillotine Time. Yeah, that was at the start of the episode I listened to. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, and it happens quite a bit and not intentionally, so. You actually did have a lot. It was really helpful. The pair of you reintroduced a lot of ideas um, in that episode, including Guillotine Time. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, uh, a lot of if you're a first time listener and I was like oh yeah that's me <laughs> that's I mean I'm glad I'm I mean we've been doing this for almost has it been two years yeah like two years now three years so two and a half years so all right well I'm gonna start pitching some ideas now for topics and <laughs> like I, as a white guy I feel entitled to do this whenever I speak <laughs> to a woman of color uh-huh. uh all right so Arnold Schwarzenegger movies <laughs> uh I mean I've seen an unholy amount and i am a huge fan of kindergarten cop so most of his movies except for his comedies go against his personal politics the running man is a revolutionary anti-military industrial (laughs) complex movie oh great and the only thing wrong with it is the song at the end of the movie great okay well i'll keep that in mind it should be taking it to the streets by the doobie brothers (laughs) i'm gonna sound like an old crouchy guy but action movies from the 90s were a lot more entertaining <laughs> in the 80s. Fair, yeah. Uh, Commando is now on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. What? Um, oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes, you're right, actually. Yeah, uh, Commando, if you Google it, uh, the, if you start typing Commando space G, the first suggestion is gayest movie ever made. <laughs> and I'm always down for that. It, it really is. Like, it's a movie about Arnold Schwarzenegger overcoming his internalized homophobia mm-hmm. to take over a, a cartoonishly gay villain. Yeah, via the act of penetration, which is only like a substantial yet abstract spoiler for what occurs in the That's movie. Fantastic. I mean, Kath, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you noticed. Actually, did we talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the WandaVision episode? I can't remember, but. Um, you, you referred to it. It was a not a good episode that I watched of that show. Not your oh, show. No, Falcon no. Fal- <laughs> and the Winter Soldier first episode. I actually sucked. really like it. The first episode, yeah, the first episode is like a bit weird, but like they start to introduce things where I was like, hmm, this could go somewhere. And then the second episode really went like, well, well, damn. Okay. I think what the turned me off of the first episode is like in the first scene when just before they hit Libya, that like US soldier fanboy kid is like, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, gotten really annoyed with the trend of superhero movies where there's a character who is a fan of the superhero mm, that's what yeah. i like yeah i mean you might i mean did you like black panther i i mean like i enjoyed it i had i thought it was weird that 
I had to, you know, I was compelled by the by the narrative to root for the CIA operative piloting a drone through. You sound like my mom, yeah. You sound like my mom. Uh, that's what my mom said when she went. She's like CIA. Why? And I was like, oh my god. Uh, and a full full volume in the movie theater. Um, might I add. So. I hey, feel your, you. your mom your mom sounds like she rocks like, I, mean, uh, I mean my mom is much cooler than i and much better and in, in general as a human um but yeah my mom doesn't i just can't take her to the movies is what it is um, just do whatever you'll just like do your own thing it's great i yeah. mean it'll be great it's fine um okay perfect. thanks so much for doing this carmen no worries have a good evening take care you too. bye